The summoning was his tribe's most sacred tradition. The drummers had to execute the rhythm flawlessly. The dancers had to be precise. Anything short of perfection and the sky god wouldn't come. Or so they said. The boy loved and hated the summoning. The drums were deafening. The smoke from the bonfire burned his eyes. But no one missed the summoning, especially him. Because he was the vessel. Because when the drums were at their fastest, and the dancers moved so quickly you couldn't tell where one's body stopped and the next began, the sky god would come, and the boy would go. The sky god, in control of the boy's body, would walk and dance and prophesy, and then he would make it rain. This was his covenant with the people. Summon me, and I will bring you rain. In time, the boy realized the drums and dancing weren't the point. The vessel was. With a body, the sky god could taste food and feel warmth. He would happily give them rain if it meant, for a few moments, he could be human. And it was during those moments when the boy, temporarily evicted from his body, hovered like a ghost. He willed himself upward, above the treetops where he could no longer hear the drums. The quiet and solitude made the rest of the summoning worthwhile. And then it came. Sunrise. The summoning was the same every year, but each time the boy watched the sunrise as only the birds could watch it, it was as if he had never seen the dawn before. And then he was back. The rain was beginning to fall. The sky god had departed. The light rain made the boy shiver, and a tall woman placed a white shawl around him to keep him warm. He knew this woman. She was my mother. My name is Charles, and this is Astrosplained, Season 2, Episode 10, Interview with the Hypnotist, or Reincarnation. Been there, done that. Welcome to Astrosplained, where we use Indian astrology to examine the lives of the famous and the infamous. Today, we're doing things a little differently. Instead of looking at a famous person's chart, we are going to talk about reincarnation with someone who kind of specializes in the topic, my friend Scott, the hypnotist. See, Scott helps people see who they were in their past lives. The story from the intro is something that I saw in my first session with Scott way back when. And since my show is all about how the planets help reveal the different kinds of karma that we have accrued in previous lives, I thought it would be fun to talk to someone who helps people see, in living color, just what they did to accrue those karmas in the first place. I hope you enjoy. Okay, I'm here with Scott. Scott, how's it going? I'm doing good, thanks. How are you? I am doing very well. Thank you. Uh, so I recorded like a brief intro for this interview earlier, and in it I referred to you as a hypnotist, because that's the context in which I know you. But is that, would you call that an accurate label? Um, and if not, how do you see yourself? Exactly, yeah. I would say hypnotist is probably the, the first word I would use. I can sometimes refer to myself as hypnotherapist. I've also referred to myself as a past life regressionist. 
So, um, but you do that through hypnosis. So hypnotist is kind of the overall um, appropriate name for, I guess, what I would call myself. I have never heard the term past life regressionist. Yes. Very cool. So, hmm. I think a lot of uh, my listeners don't have much experience with hypnosis. I know I certainly didn't until very recently when I started seeing you. So could you maybe walk us through how hypnosis works? Sure. So hypnosis is really the bypassing of the critical faculties of the mind. So basically, whenever someone gives us information, we question it. It's part of what we do. It's healthy. But sometimes the mind questions everything. And with hypnosis, we quiet down that part of the mind and access the deeper parts of the mind, more uh, what we would call either subconscious or unconscious parts of the mind. And in that, uh, when we do that, we are reaching the part of your mind that is open to suggestions. So it's really kind of a way to kind of bypass the talking part of your mind is questioning everything and saying, well, I don't know if I believe that, or I don't know if that's true, or what does he mean by that? Or what's he up to? And you go into the parts of the mind that are willing to, to just, uh, accept and, and are very susceptible to suggestions. Interesting. Okay. And so how, how long have you been, um, working with hypnosis? I started studying hypnosis two and a half years ago. And I did it specifically for using it to access past lives. If you believe in reincarnation, you can use hypnosis to access your past lives. And even if you don't believe in reincarnation, you can actually do a past life regression with somebody. And it, it is very common to have it happen. Um, they will sometimes just pop up in someone's <clears throat> while you're doing a session with someone. So um, that's kind of how I got into it. And uh, then as I started studying past life progression and using hypnosis to get to those lives and that information, I started to really discover how much you can use hypnosis for. And since I knew it was something I was interested in doing, I decided to kind of branch out and go beyond just the past life progression and, and go into more of the therapeutic type of practices. So for example, um, you know, people with anxiety or people with PTSD or people who want to quit smoking or perhaps they have a bad habit, uh, including something like nail biting, um, all of those types of things. Um, if someone has something that is troubling them or they have a problem, um, something along those lines, um, hypnosis is great for all of those things. It's interesting. So I actually... <laughs> sort of in my mind, I had your trajectory exactly reversed where I thought you, I guess because when I met you, I thought that you focused pretty only on like stopping smoking and that sort of stuff. What I, what in my mind is sort of more like traditional hypnosis. Mm -hmm. um, and that maybe at some point later you started doing like work with past lives and things, but it sounds like actually, no, you started with past exactly. lives. Exactly. And so I went to this place called the Edgar Casey Institute's uh, place in Virginia beach. And they had a program, it was a week-long program, on using hypnosis to do past lives. So it was great, but they only spent about an hour on, here's how you hypnotize somebody. And it is so much more complicated than that. So um, it was great, and it definitely worked. I was, I was able to hypnotize people. 
but I did not feel comfortable enough with what I learned in that short class, um, or at least in that short portion of the class on hypnosis. So I decided I really wanted to get a deeper dive into hypnosis. And that's when I started discovering what it, it's, it's good for so many things. And not only is it good for all of these things, but it's also really effective and really um, quick. So it, it kind of is different from mainstream therapists and the, um, you know, more of the uh, coaching type um, industry because it really is generally something that um, you use one to three times. Like, so a session, you'll, you'll book someone and do a session and then you possibly will do two or three sessions total, but that's usually it with hypnosis. As in, okay, I, I did not know this. So like someone who maybe wants to stop smoking, in three sessions with you, they might be, you know, well, off smoking? It, exactly. In fact, with smoking, it's usually one session. And you book the three sessions generally. Most hypnotists will book three sessions so that they know that they'll probably take care of the smoking in the first session, but they have the two other sessions as a backup. Um, and a lot of times what they'll do is they'll just kind of reinforce what they did in the first session, make sure that there's no slipping and that, you know, there aren't any issues the second time you meet. And then they'll reinforce. And then in the third session, they'll, they'll offer it uh, down the road if they ever have a problem with smoking again. Or they'll just say, hey, do you want to use this for a completely different issue? So it's, it's actually usually one session for smoking. I see. Yeah. Interesting. I, I did not know that that was possible. <laughs> yes. Um, see, I'm, I'm, I'm learning new things all the time here on Astro's Blaine. Um, so let me see. What was my next question? All right. So what drew you to hypnosis and what were you doing before that? So I um, studied in um, a university, um, yeah, Virginia Tech. So I have a, a degree in marketing and I went, out, went right out of school into advertising agencies. And from there, I morphed into uh, business development, advertising sales, partnership sales, sponsorships, and things like that. So I spent um, most of my career in the, you know, kind of the business side of things. And then about four years ago, I decided to leave that and just completely change my direction. And that's when I started studying the past life regression and, and started diving into hypnosis. Interesting. Uh, so did something happen to sort of sort of make you make that clean break with what you were doing before? Or had you sort of always been interested in the more sort of esoteric kind of stuff? Or, or, or how did this happen? So yeah, I always had an interest in all of this. Um, I had actually had uh, my first past life regression done in 1997. And I've since done it a couple of times, um, but I just had a real interest in it. And so when uh, four years ago, I just had the opportunity, I was fortunate enough to be able to um, leave what I was doing and take some time off and start studying something different. And this is really what I was interested in. So that's kind of how I got into the, the hypnosis and made the transition from kind of the business uh, person to <laughs> more of a therapist type. So, um, listeners, we might be talking about Scott's char um, birth chart a little bit later, and what he just said answered a lot of my questions about why his chart looks the way that it does. So stay tuned for that. 
until then, um, so you mentioned reincarnation earlier, Scott. Um, how do you understand reincarnation and why do you think it exists? What purpose do you think it serves? Well, I think um, in my mind, reincarnation is basically um, the way that we learn our lessons. And, and, and so um, I view it as something that we, we come into this earth and we, we learn what we set out to, or we try to, to learn what we set out to learn before we came down. And so um, when we pass on and go back to the other side, uh, we will take a breather and we will go into what some people call heaven. Um, there are all kinds of different names for whatever people want to refer to it as. Um, and then you will then, uh, after you've evaluated your life and you know gone through your lessons and and, and um, reviewed everything, um, whenever the time is appropriate or whenever you're ready, um, you then make some selections on what you are going to do next in, in the next life. So um, in my understanding from everything I've read and everything I've studied, you do have uh, a choice and you come in and you choose what you want to be, what kind of life, what kind of situation you want to be born into, um, what religion, what uh, economic background, what types of challenges you want to have in your life. And so um, we learn these lessons through going through these different lives. And the reason why um, that has been explained to me is why, why don't we remember all those past lives? And, and because when you come in and you have all these past lives and you can remember them, it's a lot of baggage. And so the best way to learn is to have a clean slate and to start fresh. And so um, there is a lot of benefit to doing past life regressions and accessing that information. Um, it certainly does explain a lot. It helps us to, um, to overcome difficulties that we've either been hanging on to, or it might explain a health issue or a dynamic that you have with a, re a relative or a romantic relationship. But it's, it's the kind of thing that generally um, it's helpful if you start with a clean slate and you don't know um, what you've been through in past lives. So it's, it gives you kind of like a, you know, a fresh start, basically. Okay. And would you say, and I, I mean, you, you can speak to your own experience with past life regression or what you've seen from your clients, but would you say that sort of there tend to be like overarching themes that people sort of experience across various lifetimes or sort of is each life it's kind of its own sort of self-contained thing well i think that we definitely will have some themes that we will stick with uh, generally when you come into this life as a man you've had a few lives recently as a man um, and then same thing for a woman but that being said we definitely come back as different sexes and we come back as different races. We come back as different, um, different situations, you know, one being you might come in as a, a very rich person and then you might come into a life and choose to come into a life where you're very poor. You might choose a life that is very difficult and then you might choose a life that some people refer to as kind of a breather. So kind of a, 
you know, take a break from a traumatic lifetime or a series of lifetimes that you've had. So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting, but I think, um, does that answer your question? It does. And it's interesting because like up to now, I would say like a lot of what you said kind of matches. I haven't studied reincarnation very deeply. It kind of is in the background of these kind of astrology that I work with. Um, to the point that even like it said that you kind of astrologically you sort of pick up where your last life left off like if you died in one life and you were in the Mars like period of your life then when you come back you will be born into like sort of that part of the Mars period and you kind of keep going um, so it's, it's interesting but one way in which it seems like sort of your understanding of reincarnation differs from sort of how I've understood it to be in the astrological context is the idea of like how your actions in one life affect what happens to you in a future one because it sounds like if i'm understanding you correctly we have a lot of say in what our you know next incarnation is going to be like. like i will choose to be rich or i will choose to be poor exactly irrespective of how we behaved when we were previously alive is that right right um, and what's also interesting is that a lot of the people who study this type of work will explain that we will often come back in a life that is something that we didn't quite understand in our current life. For example, if I uh, go through this life and I seem to have a real hard time with either a certain group of people whether it's a race or a religion or a uh, philosophy or a look, maybe even it's just, you know, a type of body type or something like that. Um, from what I understand, it's very common that that will be one of your next lives, if not the next one, because it's your way of, say, of having to kind of learn what their experience is like. So it's... it's um, it's, I guess you would, the way you would look at it is, you know, you won't know until you walk in their shoes what their life is like. And so that's what will often happen. Okay. So this is a personal one and you can, you know, an answer it to the extent that you're comfortable. You can also just say pass and we'll move on to something else. <laughs> yes. um, but what would you say, reincar uh, excuse me, uh, past life regression has taught you about yourself? So one, one specific example that I tell people about is um, the very first time I did a past life regression. I had a life that um, I remembered a, kind of a, not a traumatic experience, but I remembered a very difficult um, relationship. And so in this life, someone kind of wronged me. And in my current life, this person is also in this life. So, um, and it also helped me to kind of understand, okay, that is why we sometimes have difficulties. We kind of butt heads. Um, so it really actually, in my mind, improved my relationship with this person. And I, you know, I never approached them about it and explained what I learned, but I knew in the back of my mind okay, well, I know what we've been through in a past life, and that explains a lot about how we interact with each other now. And just being aware of that really did improve my relationship in this life with that person. Okay. 
So that leads me to a couple of questions. So number one, because you have told me before, like we, we often sort of, we, we sort of travel with the same sort of pack of souls. There's like some overlap, right? Yes. Um, and I'm just sort of wondering logistically, how does that work? I mean, like if, if I say I want to be, you know, black guy who lives in Northern Virginia, you know, doing, you know, whatever, um, in other people that I know from previous lives would have to sort of make similar choices, right? For us all to kind of wind up here together, right? Yes, um, but this is probably way over my head, but it, the way I understand it, um, you know, the concept of time, and you're talking about all of us lining up at the right time to be here again, the concept of time is only an earthly concept. So there is no such thing as time. And all of this is happening at the same time. So... It's, it's complicated and I can't quite get my mind around it and I'm not sure anybody can, but that kind of explains why um, you will have, you know, lives that don't seem to be linear and matching up with, you know. Um, the other thing you'll find out too is that you can, people can sometimes be living multiple lives at the same time. Again, it's because there's no such thing as time and other things, I guess, play into that. But yeah, it's it's really complicated, but it's not quite as simple as how we perceive the way things are as far as, you know, time. Well, I mean, I can understand that to a point just because it's happened with me and you've told me that it happens with other clients of yours. Like, you know, when we do past life regressions or any sort of hypnosis session, actually, it, for whatever reason, like a lot of time can pass, but it feels like, you know, the session was very short. Like it always feels like with me, my sessions are like 10 minutes long. And then you tell me, no, it was actually 90 minutes. And I'm like, where did all the time go? Exactly. I don't yes. really understand how that happens. Yes. Yes. And, you know, um, if, in studying this, there are some hypnotists or even, I guess, doctors or, or um, professors who actually take a deep dive into taking people back to the time between their lives. And so um, when they do that, they've gotten a really good feel of what it's like in that time where you have passed in one life and you have yet to come back down to another life. And they talk about um, when we refer to our lives on earth, they're just little quick snippets in, in the big scheme of things. And so they will refer to a life as something that seems like just a real quick thing. But of course, when we're in the life, it seems forever, right? So it's, again, it's, it's just interesting, but I guess that that's the time thing is just so hard to get your hands around it because we don't have any other concept of what time is if, you know, if there isn't time. Right. And, 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 you know, now that you mention it, I'm reminded of, I think it was the first time I did a past life regression with you where for a little bit I, I was like in that in-between space between one life and another and I remember I mean it was, it was strange but I remember yeah there wasn't really time and you know it, it seemed like I was only there for a short time but I know like the life that I had left was several centuries ago and then next thing I know I'm like you know Several centuries in the future, right? right. So, like, the, exactly. and yet it all seemed to happen very, very quickly. Right. Exactly. Hmm. 
Yeah, and you'll pop in and out of different lives. That's pretty normal. Um, usually in a, in a session, we'll touch on one to three lives, depending on how much time there is and, and how much you're uncovering and what you're going through in that particular life. But yeah, usually we'll cover a few lives and it is very typical to pop all over the place from, you know, from going back to the Stone Age, then to have a life that was maybe even just a hundred years ago. So it's, it's, it's funny how that happens, but it's, it seems pretty normal from my experience. Okay. And so, so like right before we started recording, you mentioned something that I had never heard before, and I'm very curious about it. You said that you were considering like recording um, your client sessions, um, but you would, you would only do it with like your past life regression clients and things like that, because people who maybe, I might have misunderstood, but people who, you know, maybe are reliving something that's traumatic or whatever, who are trying to sort of work with that, that they shouldn't be recorded, or at least they shouldn't see the recording. Is that right? Well, uh, you know, this is just something that I've been hearing from other hypnotists. Um, they typically, um, not all hypnotists will provide a recording of the session to the client. Um, a lot of times what they'll do instead is provide them with a pre-recorded uh, either self-guided meditation or self-guided self-hypnosis kind of thing, um, or just a, a tape that they can listen to that's affirmations. Um, I, from what I understand, the, the reason why um, generally hypnotists don't want to give, if they choose not to give a recording of the session, is because when you look back at it, you will start to kind of analyze it. And sometimes when you analyze something, you can almost kind of undo the good that can come from it. So I think um, in the case of hypnosis, if you were to look at a session, it might just seem like, well, gosh, that seemed very simple and just too easy. And then you start to second guess, well, did it really work? And so I think that's generally why it might not be a good idea to do it. Um, but, you know, I think it varies case by case. Some hypnotists like to provide it, some don't. I think also it probably varies depending on what kind of client and what kind of what kind of therapy work you're doing. Um, but yeah, it's it's not always advisable to, to provide a recording of the session. That makes sense. And now one thing that I, I know that you've done, at least with me, is like whenever I, you know, when I start talking, um, when I'm under, um, you, you write down the things that I say and then you like type them up and then you email them to me. Mm -hmm. um, which is very useful in part because I remember very little of what I say why do you suppose that is? Well, you know, um, when you're in hypnosis, as you as you know, and you've been through this, you you are aware the whole time of what's going on, and you do remember some of it. Um, so what I tell people is, um, you will never lose your consciousness. You're never going to uh, not be aware of what's happening. Mm -hmm. However, in any normal conversation, if I asked you to replay what we just talked about for the last hour, you would not be able to do it because we talk about a lot of things and we cover a lot of things in an hour. So for those same reasons, that's why you're not going to remember everything you said um, during a hypnosis session. So um, there might be a little bit in play with the fact that you're very relaxed and calm 
Um, and it's also very emotional sometimes when you're going through these lives, as you know. Um, some of them can be traumatic, some of them can be um, very uplifting. Um, but whatever the case is, sometimes I think with the emotions involved, it might just, you know, have you so excited that you just aren't going to remember all the details afterwards. So that's why I take really good notes and make sure I get all the highlights um, so I can pass them along. It, okay. Because, yeah, it, it is true. Like, I, you know, I, I, I remember I was always aware, you know, it, it wasn't mm -hmm. like I was like going under anesthesia or something. So like these hypnotists that you see on TV before you, that was pretty much my whole like frame of reference for hypnotism, yes. you know, like what you see on TV, right? Um, the hypnotists where, you know, they put you under and then they, they make the person do all kinds of crazy things and they mm -hmm. wake up and they have no memory. Is that real? Um, it, it is. Um, so as I said, with hypnosis, the, the, you're, you're highly suggestible. So if I suggest to you, for example, I've seen this done before in person, uh, I can suggest to you that you are going to forget your name until I tell you you're going to remember it. And then I can have someone walk up to you and ask you your name and you will not remember your name. So yes, um, we can have people forget things. Um, and so um, there's that, but I think for the most part, uh, unless you specifically suggest that everyone's going to remember pretty much everything that they normally would from any normal conversation. Okay. It's a little scary, Scott. I didn't know you had this kind of power. Well, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing where that's where the stage hypnosis interferes with what other hypnotists that are doing hypnotherapy, uh, it, it interferes with their work in a way because you get these misperceptions on what hypnosis is like, I'm going to act and do something I don't want to do, or I'm going to say something I don't want to, to reveal. Um, and that is not the case at all. So even on a stage show, if you asked someone to go jump off a cliff, they would not do it. So they will never do anything they don't want to do. What they will do is cluck like a chicken because everyone else on the stage is clucking like a chicken and they're getting a reaction to it. So yes, you might think, uh, well, they really didn't want to cluck like a chicken, but they're doing it. Yeah, but if you ask them to do something either, you know, harmful or, uh, or something that was unethical to them, they would not do it. So, um, and then along those lines, you would also never get someone to tell you something that they didn't want you to know. So if you have some deep, dark secret and you're under in, in very deep hypnosis, you will not reveal that even if I try to get something out of you like that. So, um, and, and that's, you know, hypnotists would never try that, but, but you are in control every time you do hypnosis. Um, people get this perception that hypnosis is about losing control and rather it's actually all about gaining control, gaining control of your thoughts, your behaviors, your beliefs, your actions, uh, your anxieties, those kinds of things. So it, it really is about gaining control, even though so many people think otherwise. Okay. I've got one more hypnosis related question that I sort of, I've been debating with myself, like whether or not I'm going to ask it, but I feel like if I don't, I'm going to hate myself forever. Okay. Why don't you use a pocket watch when you hypnotize people? Well, you can. And, and, um, so it's definitely one way to do it. Um, and people still do that. 
that way. However, what we've learned is um, there are very efficient and quick ways to, to um, get someone to take themselves into hypnosis. Because I think as you and I have talked about before, um, I really don't hypnotize anybody. I just give them simple instructions and they hypnotize themselves. So um, the, the take technique that most people use is called the Dave Elman induction. So induction is the word we use to take that um, means going into hypnosis. And so um, just over time, lots of hypnotists have gotten lots of different techniques on how to hypnotize, help, help someone hypnotize themselves. Uh, and that is the go-to that we, we learn um, from most any school of thought or any school of hypnosis will teach that, that technique or variations of it. And the reason is it works really well and it's really quick. So, um, and, and it works with probably 90% of the people. Um, so if it doesn't work, you can quickly just do something different and maybe the pocket watch or, or something like that you can, you can do, they just take longer and it's, it's generally, you're trying to be, um, as efficient as possible with someone because, you know, you're taking up their time and if you can do something quickly rather than dragging it out, you're going to do it quickly and, and effectively. So that's, that's generally why we don't use pocket watches for the most part. Although it sounds like there are some people who still do. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think a lot of people, um, will do it. Um, but it's more, I think it, when you see that it's going to be more for, uh, entertainment purposes. Fair enough. Well, thank you for indulging me. I, I had sure. to ask. Yes. Good question. All right. Well, Scott, this has been a real treat. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. My pleasure. Thank you. Um, how can people get in touch with you if they want to discover yeah. who they were in past lives? Sure. If you want to uh, reach out to me, um, you can email me at scottw124 at gmail.com. All right. Thanks again. Have a great day. All right. Thank you. Okay. Just kidding. I'm back with Scott. And you'll see why. All right, Scott, lay it on me. So I was just talking about a friend of mine is kind of, uh, she has a gift. She sees and, and hears from dead people. And so she's had it her whole life and she is not really thrilled about it. It actually is annoying to her. She does not do it for a living. She never studied it. It just is the way it is. And it has been that way all along. So she doesn't talk about it very much. And, uh, so, but because she knows me and she knows what I've, I have an interest in and what I've studied, she will share with me some things sometimes. And so, for example, um, we were uh, socializing one night, this was a couple of years ago, and she leaned over, we were outside, we were all, it was a group of us sitting out by a fire pit, and she leaned over and she's like, hey, there's someone standing behind you, uh, and he's been standing behind you like all night. And she sees this person behind me and she described him. And I said, oh, okay, that's my dad. And it was no surprise to me because I've, I've, I've had other mediums tell me that my dad's around me a lot. So when she described him, like, oh yeah, yeah, that's my dad. So a little time goes by, we're socializing, having fun. And then about an hour goes by and she leans over again and she tells me, um, your dad wanted me to tell you that he's the one who lined up your dog for you. The dog that I'm like looking at right now, folks. So I had 
two years ago, three years ago, I kind of said to myself, you know, I'm ready for another dog. I had gone for a year or two with that one. And I take a little break and I thought, you know, I'm ready for a dog. So I just kind of put it out to the universe. I'm like, I'm ready. Universe, bring to me the perfect dog for me. I don't care what he looks like or what she looks like. I don't even care what kind of dog it is, but I just ask that the perfect dog line up for me. And so she, um, and I, and I kind of knew that somebody out there, some, somehow, some way, whether it was a spirit guide or a relative or somebody had something to do with lining up this dog for me because this dog is absolutely perfect. We are just the perfect fit together. And it was that way from day one. So it came as no surprise when she leaned over and she's like, oh, by the way, your dad wanted me to tell you that he's the one who found Rusty and lined this up for you. And I was like, I knew it. I knew it. I knew somebody and I, I suspected that it was either my mother or my father who had both passed, had, had uh, helped me find Rusty, but she confirmed it. And so it was just kind of cool to hear that little confirmation. So that's a fascinating story. And Rusty is adorable, by the way. I know you, none of you can see him, but he's adorable. You can take my word for it. My question, though, is because, like, you know, I, I, I believe that this happened. I believe that there are spirits and things. Um, in fact, an old friend of mine from way back when also, I know she heard spirits often. And I know, I know once in a while she would see them, but I, I'm pretty sure that was rare, that she heard them all the time. But I guess my question is, wouldn't how do i even want to phrase this how is your father or like any other any spirit sort of here when theoretically he's like preparing to go you know and be another life like be reincarnated somewhere or somebody else the, uh, good question so um he can actually have already reincarnated and the soul can be in more places than just one so it is very possible that um, maybe he's already in another life. Maybe he's even back in my life somehow, and I don't know it. But he can also be there as a spirit or as a soul um, and, and still be with me. Um, so it's that, again, it's that thing where time is distorted and so is the actual physical realm. So we have the ability to be in more places than just one. Oh, that's fascinating. Yes. Okay, well, I have taken up a lot of your time. I, just, I had to include that story about Rusty because it, it, it sent chills down my spine. It's just such a cool <laughs> story. Um, so thank you for yeah, indulging you're me. You're welcome. I, I love telling it. A big, big thank you to Scott for sitting down with me. Again, if you'd like to get in touch with him, his email address is scottw124 at gmail.com. My email address remains astrosplained at gmail.com, and you can write to me if you have any questions about the show or if you would like to provide feedback or offer episode suggestions. The show's on Instagram and Twitter at astrosplained, as always, please leave us a five-star review on any and all podcast platforms that allow for such things. And until next time, I'm Charles, your friendly neighborhood astrologer. Thanks for listening, and 